A couple weeks ago, uh, I walked into my office, and um, one of my good friends, Corey, sent Pastor Todd and I a t-shirt, this t-shirt right here. And he works at a discipleship ministry in southern Ohio, and on the t-shirt, if you can't read it, it says discipleship. I love his, the description of discipleship. It says, it's simple, it's just hard. And both are true. You see, being a disciple or being a follower of Christ is difficult. It's hard. In fact, I would say it's the hardest thing that you and I will ever do. And Jesus tells us that up front. That's the thing I love about Jesus. He doesn't say, hey, follow me and you're going to get everything you want. Follow me and you're going to have a blessed life that's going to be easy. If any pastor ever tells you that, you need to shut off the TV or stop reading it because that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says when you follow him, it's going to be really hard to the point where you have to die to yourself. That every day that you follow Jesus, it's hard because you have to pick up a cross. Your cross, it symbolizes death. Death to how you want to live. Death to what you want to say. Death to your plans. Death to your dreams. And you say, wow, why would I ever want to do that? You see, following Jesus is the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it's the greatest thing you'll ever do. Because we think in our minds we know who we are or what we should do. And I'll tell you, every time I lead my life, I am leading it into a dead end. But when I follow Jesus and I let him take over my life, he gives me a new life, an abundant life, a life that I can't ever conceive in my own self. It's such an incredible, loving, passionate, hopeful, purposeful life when you follow him. It's really hard. But the greatest thing, it's simple. Jesus, when he lays out being a disciple, he doesn't make it complicated. You and I can do it in our everyday lives. That's why we're wrapping up our three-week message series called Simple. It's really easy. If you come to church on a Sunday and if you sit in a circle of other Christ followers who are sharing life with you and want to pray with you and sharing truth with you and, and are there when you need them the most and if you're spending time with Jesus every single day in your favorite couch uh, part, or part of the couch or, or a chair or in your car, wherever it is, then we are following Jesus. However, there's the fourth one. This is probably of the simple environments to follow Christ is the hardest. Because let me tell you, the chair is very comfortable. But to get out of the chair and do something with our faith is very uncomfortable. But it's the most satisfying and purposeful part of being a Christ follower. Ask this woman right here. Her name is Linda Allen Wilson. Linda is a bus driver in San Francisco. Now, I have never been a bus driver, but I assume there are a lot of complications when it comes to being a bus driver. For instance, you have to take the same routes, pick up the same passengers, drop off the same passengers every single day, day in and day out. That must be very, very tiring and monotonous. And can you imagine driving in California traffic all the time? Like, we complain when 250 is really bad. That's only a few months a year. Imagine California being responsible for passengers in that traffic. Or cranky passengers coming on the bus and coming off the bus. People who want to just get to where they want to be. They don't care about you. They just want to use you to get to their destination. 
But you see, if Linda were up here, she would never say any of those things. Because Linda doesn't look at her job as a job. She looks at her job as a calling. Did you know every time a new passenger comes on her bus and she gets to know that passenger and they became a, to become a regular passenger on her route, she knows their name. Let that settle for a moment. When's the last time a public transportation person knew your name? Maybe little kids. <laughs> but as an adult, can you imagine having a bad day or not really caring about life and you get on the bus and the bus driver says hello and uses your name? That turns from a bus to a family, someone who cares about you, that loves you, even though you're just an everyday passenger. But it doesn't stop there for Linda. Let me tell you about her passenger named Ivy. Ivy never rode on Linda's bus before. And she was at the bus stop and Linda picks her up and Ivy, who's 80 years old, has all of these groceries. And Linda, of course, needs to make sure that she gets to the next stop on time because people are waiting for her. So what does she do? She puts the bus in park. She gets off the bus. She takes Ivy's groceries carries them onto the bus for her so she doesn't have to do that. And guess what happened to Ivy? Now that when Ivy rides a bus, she lets every other bus go by until Linda gets to pick her up. <laughs> Linda has a new passenger, but that doesn't stop there. Linda now takes Ivy grocery shopping once a month after her shift ends. Do you know that Ivy calls her bus driver a daughter? They have a mother-daughter relationship because this bus driver cared about that lady. Let me, let me tell you about this woman named Tanya. Tanya was new to the area in San Francisco. Didn't know anybody. When Linda picked her up because she cares about people, she recognized that this person has never ridden her bus before. So she strikes up a conversation with Tanya. She realizes that Tanya is new to the area, doesn't have a lot of family, and it's time for Thanksgiving. So guess what Linda does? Linda invites Tanya over to her house so she doesn't have to be alone. Tanya thought she was just looking at her bus driver, but now Tanya calls Linda one of her closest friends. This is her bus driver. How amazing is that? Well, unbeknownst to Linda, one of her regular commuters wrote for the San Francisco Chronicle and watched Linda's life and ended up writing an article about her. And in the article... He writes this, her mood is set at 2.30 a.m. when she gets down on her knees to pray for 30 minutes, the Chronicle states. There's a lot to talk about with the Lord, says Wilson Allen, a member of Glad Tidings Church in Hayward. Now, I don't know if the author of this article knew that she was a Christ follower or not, but it doesn't matter because he found it out just like everybody else did when they interacted with her. Because I lied to you, she's not a bus driver. She's a Christ follower disguised as a bus driver. It's a big difference. Because she didn't look at her job as a job, she looked at her life as a calling, which includes her job. And every time someone comes on her bus, she doesn't just look at them as a commuter, she looks at them through the eyes of God. When she's interacting with these people, she recognizes that she is called to go on mission, 
to be God's hands and feet so when people walk away from her, they have an interaction with the living God through her. Her life is not hers. It's Jesus's. And Jesus is doing incredible things through Linda, the bus driver. It reminds me of this story, one of my favorite scenes in Scripture ever in Isaiah chapter 6. We see right away a picture of the throne of God. Oftentimes we look at God like he's our best friend or our buddy or our pal. And that's true. The problem, though, is when we always look at God like that, we can put him in a box that we can manage. And Isaiah chapter 6 crushes the box, gets God out of the box, and we see God on his throne, a throne of judgment, but equally a throne of grace, a God who is personal, but we see a God that holds everything in his hands. In fact, that throne room is so intense that there are angels over God's head right now singing, holy, holy, holy. And they'll sing it for the rest of eternity because they can't get enough of it. And this holy God chose a people, the Israelites, to have a relationship with them. The problem is these people continue to turn their back on God. And so God is looking at his people who are going the wrong way and they're messing up their lives. And he asks this question in verse 8. He says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? In other words, there are people that need to hear about me. Whom shall I send? Isaiah, he understands that there's no way God can send him. Because Isaiah looks up at this throne of perfection. And he looks at his own life and he's like, whoa, not perfect. Lots of issues. Lots of weaknesses. I have a past. I have a lot of things I'm dealing with. There's no way God would send me. In fact, Isaiah says when he sees the throne, he goes, woe is me. And God says, you're right. I can't send you like this. And God touches his life. And when God touches your life with his mercy and grace, everything internally changes and now you are his. But to keep it inside of you would be a travesty. Because other people need to hear it from you. And so when finally God asks the question, whom shall I send? Isaiah doesn't look around and say, go send Pastor Todd or Pastor Jay or Meg. Isaiah says, here I am. Send me to my people. You see, Linda recognizes every day at 2.30 in the morning, she is about to go to battle. That's why she gets up in the morning to pray. And she is going to be sent into the world of being a bus driver. And there are people there that don't know him. And he asks the question every day, who will go to those people? And Linda goes, here I am. Send me. Isaiah had, a, had an opportunity to go to his own people. And Isaiah doesn't look around and point fingers or push off responsibility. He goes, here I am. Send me. There are people in your lives right now that don't know him. People in your life that I don't have a relationship with, that no one around you has the relationships that you have. Your family, your friends, your coworkers, those on social media, those who may be acquaintances with you, those who are parents of your kids or grandkids, all of these people that you interact with on a daily basis. It is unique to only you. 
And every single morning, whether you recognize it or not, God asks the question, whom shall I send? I can't go for you. But you can go for you. And my prayer by the end of our time is that at the end of this message, you cannot help but say, Lord, here I am. Send me. I want to go. So what does it look like to be sent on mission, to go as a Christ follower? Well, Jesus is anticipating this. And if we fast forward from Isaiah all the way to Revelation, which will be our key passage we'll look at today, he anticipates what this should look like in our lives. And here's how Jesus answers it in Revelation chapter 3, in writing to this church in Philadelphia. He says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. And what he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. And Jesus says, I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word. And he did not deny me. I want to keep this up here for a little while. This is our main passage for today. What is so incredible about Revelation chapter 3 is that God says every single day that we wake up, he gives us open doors of opportunity to walk through in regard to our relationship with him. And when Jesus is speaking to the church, he is thinking two different open doors at this point. He's thinking of a vertical open door with God and a relational horizontal open door with other people. But you and I can't walk through that horizontal door to other people if we don't understand the vertical door that's been opened that no one can close. You see, I love what Jesus says. I know all the things you do. What if God said that to you this morning? I know all the things you do. Does that make you shudder a little bit? Think of the thoughts that you've had today. Think of the words that you have spoken that have nothing to do with God and honoring him today or the actions that you have, not just today, but forever. He knows what we do. And the reason that he has to open a door for us is because we've closed it on God. You see, God wants a relationship with all people, and at first that sounds great until we recognize that, okay, if God wants a relationship with me, I have to give control to him. And we as humans are prideful and selfish. At our core, we like to be in control. All of us revert back to trusting ourselves more than God and more than any other people. That's our default setting. And so when we looked at God and we could have a relationship with him, we said, ah, no thanks. And when we recognize that, we shut the door on him. And for a long time, God is calling out to us, but we can't hear that because we've become deaf to that. We've closed the door of opportunity to have a relationship with him. And I said this in the prayer, and I mean this. God is a generous God, meaning God doesn't ask us to go on mission before he goes on mission. You see, when we recognize that every day is an opportunity to impact people's lives, Jesus is setting the example. Because it's what Meg said in worship. Here is Jesus on his heavenly throne. It's perfect in heaven. Everything is great. Who in the world would want to leave that? I surely wouldn't. But Jesus, he looks at a people 
who are floundering in, in life. They see the people who have closed the door to our Heavenly Father. And Jesus says, God, I need to go. I need to go grab them. I need to bring them back. I want a relationship with them. And so he goes down to the earth. He is sent from heaven to the earth through the open door. And he walks through it. And he lives this humble life. And he dies on the cross. And when he dies on the cross, that door that was closed for us, he kicks it open. And the door jam that he jams under the door that no one will ever close, that door jam is the cross. And when we recognize that there's now this open door for what Jesus has done for us, now we can walk through. Now the relationship is open. All we have to do is walk through and accept that relationship with him. It's incredible. But if you're like me, and you know God knows what you've done even after following Jesus, there are so many times where we say, God, I, you won't accept me. Or, or we want to get kind of close, and we're, and we're scared that once we get there, he's just going to slam the door in our face. I have felt that in my life, even now as a Christ follower, even now as a pastor. How many times I want to get close to that door, but I recognize all that I've done wrong. But I hear my father's voice say, come, son. Come, daughter. And when I get close to the door, I look down and I see the cross jammed in that door. And now I walk through it. And no man can close that door. Not even our sin, not even our past, not even our weakness. Nothing can close that God wants an open relationship with us. If you've never walked through that door, today is the day. I'm not going to guilt you. I'm not going to pressure you. That's between you and God. But there's no excuse to say God doesn't want me. The door is open for everybody. Regardless of who you are, what you've done, or what you will do, the door is there. You and I must walk through it. Both those who have never walked through it and those who call themselves Christ followers. That's how we get our strength. It's how we become more like him, is continuing to walk into that room where God is. That's the vertical door that God will never close on us. But there's relational doors too. Horizontal doors that we're called to go forth in. John Ortberg, he's a pastor, and he wrote the book, All the Places to Go, How Will You Know? An ode to Dr. Seuss, by the way. And in this, he defines what an open door of a, or a relational door looks like. And he says an open door is a beginning or an opportunity, but it has no guaranteed ending. And feeling ready is highly overrated. God is looking for obedience. I love this. What he's saying is every single day, you and I, when we wake up in all aspects of our life, whether you're walking through the doors of the church, whether you're waking up at home or walking through the doors of your job or whether you're with other friends or whatever it is, there is an open door to walk through. It's an open door of opportunity. It's wide open. The problem is it's not guaranteed, meaning the ending, Meaning we don't know what the outcome will look like if we walk through it. And because of that, we oftentimes don't want to walk through it. We're fearful. We're scared. A lot of us, we, we care more about what other people think than what God thinks. And so if we were to talk about Jesus or bring up church or be who we really are as Christ followers, we're afraid of what people will say. And so oftentimes we won't walk through it. You know what's awesome about our God? He knows that. This is why at the end of the verse, 
we, we looked at the beginning, look at the end now. You have little strength, or that word strength means faith. You have little faith, and yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Do you remember in the Gospels when Jesus said, all you need is just an itty-bitty faith. Faith the side of a what? A mustard seed. You see, if we're looking at that open door and we have a lot of doubt, God says, I welcome you. I recognize you're going to have little strength. I recognize you're going to have little doubt. But turn your faith and strength away from you onto me. Bring me the little seeds that you have and plant them, and I will do incredible things. You see, if God is willing to open the door for us and we trust him to go through it, surely he will journey with us all the way to the end. And let me tell you, usually the end is not the outcome we had in mind. It's usually better. But many of us don't get to the end because we trust more in ourselves than we do in what God has for us. It's time to plant some seeds of faith to start walking through the open doors of opportunity that God has for us to impact people's lives, to be on mission, to go and be his hands and feet. And so for the rest of our time, anchored in Revelation 3, 7, and 8, I want to give you three open door opportunities that you have in front of you right now. The question is, will you go? So here's the first one. Go through the open door of joining the dream team. In 1992... This team came together for the first time ever, meaning no NBA All-Stars have ever come together to join the Olympic team. And they joined together to go and try to win a gold medal. And these are five of the representatives of that team. You have Barkley and Ewing and Malone and Johnson and this scrub named Michael Jordan or whoever he is. I heard he's pretty good. Not as good as LeBron, but we won't go there right now. Sorry, I shouldn't even have gone there. (laughs) But what I love about this team is journalists called it the greatest team ever assembled, and then they were nicknamed the Dream Team. And the greatest team, the Dream Team, that has held up since 1992 until we stole it because it's not the greatest team assembled anymore. The chapel is. The chapel Dream Team. See, when we kicked off our volunteers a couple weeks ago, we said we're not going to refer to you as volunteers anymore. We're going to refer to you as a dream team because the word volunteer, it's a cuss word in the church. And here's why it's a cuss word. When it's used in the context, it usually says, I'm just a volunteer. What do you mean you're just a volunteer? Who in the world has ever said that? To call yourself just a volunteer is to rip off the sending God that wants us to join together as his church to be his dream team. Another phrase that we cannot say in the church anymore, it's a cuss word phrase, is they'll do it. Usually in the context of there's a need at the church, that's why they have pastors and staff, they will do it. Here's the problem with that. At all three of our campuses, anytime, we can have up to 3,000 people. We have 35 staff members. How in the world are 35 people supposed to serve 3,000 people? More importantly, if we walk through these doors and we were target, 
then you could come to us in the red vest and we will help you because you would be a consumer. The problem is, I see no one in this church in a red vest. We are not Target where you come in and grab off the shelf and pay and we serve you and you go, no, 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 no. The church is not a consumer-based place. It's an ownership-based place. And if we are to be God's body, we all have to play a part. And I'm not here to guilt you. In fact, this is between you and God. But I am here to tell you about an opportunity that you can have with your gifts and your abilities and your personality and your desires there is a place for you on this dream team. In fact, when Paul is describing this dream team to the church in Corinth, he, he says at the beginning, or at verse 12, and then he sums it up in verse 27, he says, listen, the human body, it has many parts, but the many parts, they make up one whole body. And so it is with the body of Christ. All of you together are a part of Christ's body, and each of you is part of that. See, the key words here is together in each of you. If we are missing something, we are not together. We are not whole. We're not the vision that God has for his dream team. There's a lot of times we look out and we say, all the spots are filled. All the players are playing the game. But I'm just telling you, there are so many times where we have a quarterback, we have no wide receivers to throw it to. Or we have a point guard and a shooting guard, but we have no power forward or center to rebound. Or we have all of our nine out there ready to field, but we don't have any good batters to hit the ball. Last night, Liz Markley, she's one of our greeters. She said she had eight greeters scheduled. By the time she got here, there were two. And life comes up. I'm not blaming anybody. I get it. The problem, though, is if we had everybody playing their part, we would never have to beg. We would never have to ask. We would just do it. So I want to do that this morning. I want to show you how you can walk through the open door that God has for you to go and serve the church that you call your home. So in your welcome programs, can you get that out for me? There's a sheet that looks something like this. There are 30-some opportunities for all of us to join a dream team, to be a part of this. And I know a lot of us say, well, we can't really do things because we're so busy. On a side note, Paul and I have been wrestling with this. Does our schedule control us or do we control our schedule? So that's been really difficult for us to think through with all the different sports, all the different things. And even Paul and I were like, listen, there's a great chance none, no four of my kids are going to be Major League Baseball players or NFL players. But we have an opportunity to grow them spiritually, which I think is more important anyways. And so we've had to wrestle through. If we're too busy to do the key right things, even if it isn't this, in our lives we need to figure that out. And maybe for some of us, this is this. But whatever it is, there are so many opportunities for you to sign up today. And so if you look at that sheet in front of you, if you check mark one of those things you're interested in and, and drop it in our giving boxes on the way out, a teammate will invite you uh, to join them just to check things out, and you'll be contacted within 48 hours. And look, there are so many different things on here. For instance, there's kids' celebration. Someone came up to me and said, Eric, I don't like kids. I said, that's probably not the best spot for you. But you know what? There's construction help. You don't want me on the construction team if you want it to actually be put together, right? But you know what? There's so many different things from being on our prayer team to doing child care for different events to being a part of our tech team or, or greeting or if, you have, if you're a doctor or a nurse or an EMT, our medical team or if you're really good at cooking, Bring me something, but then also join the meal ministry here. There are so many things that you and I can join. I want to just give you a few minutes right now in the service 
to check it out and do something about joining the dream team. So go ahead. So if you want to be a part of that, drop it in our giving boxes. If you need a couple weeks, to bring it back. All I want you to do, not out of guilt, I don't care. It's between you and God. But for you, we need you. We need your skills. Please be a part of the dream team and what God's offering this church. The second open door opportunity to go through is your everyday life. I remember coming to the chapel when I was 17 years old. I came with my grandma. We sat over here. And I remember Pastor Bill would bring up missionaries and talk about what they were doing around the world. And some of those stories I still hold on to. Some of those people are some of my absolute heroes. I looked up to them because I thought to myself, I could never do that. The problem is I got the definition of a missionary wrong. A missionary is one who goes across the ocean to be God's hands and feet and where God's calling them to be. A missionary is also being in Sandusky, Ohio, or wherever you live, being Jesus' hands and feet, doing what you're called to do. A missionary is not, it is not, a, it's not someone that goes. It's someone who literally will go every day in their lives. If you are married, guess what? You get to be a missionary. You get to go through the open door to be in a relationship with your spouse that they should walk away seeing God through you and experiencing him through you. If you're a parent or a grandparent, our children, our grandchildren shouldn't see just God through the, through, down the hallway through our kids' celebration volunteers, or dream team, excuse me about my cuss word, but it should also be... It should also be in us, parents and grandparents. If they don't see Jesus in us, then we're not walking through that open door of being his hands and feet. If you go to work every day and you call yourself a Christ follower and people don't know it, then there's a problem. I'm not saying you need to go and preach. I actually don't think you should. But let me tell you, if you have an opportunity to tell people about Jesus or to pray for them, or to show them unconditional love or kindness. They shouldn't have to get it from anybody else but you, Christ follower. I'm thinking of kids who are going to school. I just heard a story today of a nine-year-old who goes to Medellin at Perkins. He brought his Bible into school. He's sitting next to a kid, and the kid says, what are you reading? And the kid says, I'm reading the Bible. And the other kid says, that's a Bible? How is he going to hear about the Bible if he doesn't go to church? He hears about it from the kids that say, I want to be the Bible, and I'll bring my Bible. We expect people to walk through these doors, and we expect them to listen to a pastor, and then we expect them to now be Christ followers. No, that is not how God sets it up. He sets it up to choose you, and he asks every day, whom shall I send into my family, into my friendships, into my schools, into my coworkers, into those on social media? Will you please raise your hand and do something about your faith? Don't get just comfortable in the chair or the circle or the row. Go. Every day you have an opportunity to be Jesus. Will you take it? Finally, go through the open door of the world around you. I just want to tell you some things that we've been a part of and we get to be a part of at the chapel. I'm just asking you, is this an open door that God is asking you to go through? I love these pictures. These are some of the pictures of our high school students who saw an open door to serve in Norwalk this past summer, and they went through the open door. They wanted to be Jesus' hands and feet. 
in that situation, and they serve excuse me, in the summer. We had the opportunity to open our doors in partnership with Firelands and partnership with Erie County Health Department to bring in Daryl Strawberry a couple weeks ago. This place was packed with people, some of which were you, some that were off the street, had no hope. And we were able to open the doors to hear Daryl Strawberry's story of addiction to give hope to people. That's being a church that cares about the community. This is one of my favorite things that is happening right now. Oh, man. This is a special needs prom that, that happens in Ottawa County, which is where our Port Clinton campus is. And this is their group on Facebook. You should write that down and join that group. And there's a phone number that you can call. But in December, they're putting on a special needs prom. They've been doing it for 10 years. And one of the ladies who runs it at our Port Clinton campus, she was talking to me. And, and I said, you know, her name's Charity. I said, Charity, I would love to be a part of that. What, what can Paula and I do? And she said, well, do you like to dance? <laughs> I go, that is a great question. Absolutely. I think I was made to dance. <laughs> and she said, well, the ladies that come, not all of them have dates. And so it means so much if you would go out and dance with them on the dance floor. Would you want to be a part of that? I mean, I was like, praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen. The door was open. I didn't even need God to push me through it. I ran through that door. So Paul and I in December are going to go on a date together to join our friends who have special needs to serve them to be God's hands and feet. Why can't we do that as a church? They need people to dance or people to serve. They need financial contributions to make this incredible thing. You see, for us, we look forward to an event, maybe a week or two in advance. They look forward to it every year. When it's over, they look towards the next one. Let's make it an incredible thing as a church family. Or I think of warming the homeless. We're going to be bringing items in a couple weeks, or excuse me, next week. Coats, jeans, hats, scarves, gloves, sweaters, sweatshirts, boots, blankets. Listen, either gently used or new, there are things in the back of our closets we haven't touched for five years because we may need it. That's the thing you should bring in. All the extra blankets. We have so much stuff. Can we help those who don't have anything? I want to pack that atrium so full that we have to bring in a semi-truck. Let's not be stingy. We have too much already. Let's get rid of it. And plus, people don't have anything. Nehemiah Partners, who we've been a part of since they kicked off years ago, they need help. Three to five helpers once a month for an hour, or excuse me, for two hours and 15 minutes to serve in their kitchen. I mean, come on. I want Cindy to be like, oh my goodness, Chapel, you have sent me way too many people. I can't we do stuff like this? There's so many open doors. Or in a couple months, we're going to tell you about all the opportunities around the world that the chapel's a part of that we can walk through the open door to serve people. There are so many ways for you and I to walk through the open door. And I'm sorry for my language, but can we just get off our rear ends? We love coming to church. We love being in the circle. We love being in the chair because, honestly, it doesn't cost us anything. It costs us our time. And even that, we get a little bit tight with. But to go is really, really hard, but it's really, really worth it. Because Linda, the bus driver, says, I'm here, send me. And Isaiah's like, here I am, send me. Will you go? Let's pray together. Father, to be called and live out our Christian life and not go is missing the Christian life that you modeled 
for going from heaven into our world to rescue us. Now we are called to do that on your behalf with others. May we walk through the open doors of our church, of our personal world, and the global world that you are calling us to go through. Please, Lord, enable us through our feeble faith to trust you to walk through those doors. We ask in Jesus' name.